with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. All right, welcome in. It is the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey, as always, joined by Will Henneke. Will, how's your, how's your week going? Uh, so far, so good. The days are moving by pretty quickly, so I'm happy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and we're moving right along in, in the football season as well. Here we are, week four upcoming already. So we'll uh, kind of recap what happened in week three for the D1, D2 levels, and then we'll preview some of the biggest games coming up on tap, including a pretty good one coming up on IdahoSports.com this Friday night. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, biggest story from last week, I thought, in the eight-man landscape was uh, up north. We, we talked about Potlatch. We'll start at D1 football. Potlatch had, had just dropped 90 points on Genesee, and we we were talking about, okay, well, now we'll find out where Potlatch really sits because they're going to they're gonna play Prairie, and Prairie's still the big 800-pound gorilla in the White Pine League until somebody knocks the, the gorilla off the top branch of the tree. You know, nobody can claim the league title. And, and yes, Prairie did win, but it was only by a score of 56 to 52. So I think we learned a lot, obviously about Prairie, but I think we learned just as much about potlatch from that game as well. Yeah. Prairie's done a nice job bouncing back after losing their first game in the eight man showcase, they lost 56 to nothing to Oakley and they've done a really nice job kind of bouncing back winning their last two games, but potlatch they've, they've proven if nothing else. And personally, I think they've proven more than this, but they've proven if nothing else that, you can't just chalk them up as a dub on your schedule. You're going to have to show up and play. Uh, Jack Clark, Wyatt Johnson, they've got a nice little tandem there that have been very explosive and have been very effective on offense. And and right now that White Pine division uh, up there, the, the division one version of what the White Pine, that's looking really murky right now. I mean, if you got Prairie, you know, you got Potlatch who just gave them a run. You got Lapway, who's going to be in the mix. They're very athletic and very talented. Clearwater Valley is a team that you can't just, you know, flush aside and say, oh, they're no big deal. Kamii is looking pretty tough. Troy is, has gotten off to a nice start as well. The Trojans have done a nice job winning two of their first three. So, um, you know, it, continuing on with the if nothing else, well, we've said if nothing else, Potlatch has, you know, they've shown that you're going to have to take them seriously. You're going to have to show up and play. What they've also done is they've shown just how, uh, just how foggy the the playoff picture out of out of District Two is going to be. Yeah, I mean, if we look at the White Pine standings right now, you've got uh, Prairie and Kamii, both two and zero in the league, and they're both two and one overall. Then you have Clearwater Valley sitting in third. Technically, they're also undefeated in league play, though they're one and zero in the league, two and one overall. Troy and Potlatch are then tied at one and one in the league. Troy's two and one. Potlatch is one and one. And even Lapway at 0 and one in the league, one and one overall. And probably most surprising to me is Genesee at 0 and two in the league, one and two overall. Um, this is going to be wild and unpredictable. And I think it's just going to be week in, week out, you know, which team makes enough plays to win. And you could see, I mean, I could easily see a, a five and two league champ something like that absolutely because you know you, you mentioned genesee zero and two in league one and two overall uh, offensively they've got the weapons to scare some people and to beat some people and uh, if they can tighten a few things up on defense they're going to be a factor in this before it's all said and done as well and then uh you know logos you know quote unquote at the bottom uh 
um, you know, they're they're a pretty talented team as well. There's not going to be very many easy wins that you're chalking up on anybody's ledger this year in the White Pine. And uh, similarly, there's not a team that's just going to run away and dominate this league. You're absolutely right. You know, Prairie Potlatch, go on down the list. Clearwater Valley, Lapway. How many of these teams on any given night could jump up and bite the other? And so when we're getting into to mid-October, as we're really starting to try and figure out what is in this, you know, this hocus pocus that Max Preps puts together to come up with their formula, it's going to be real interesting to see who's beaten who, by how much, and where these teams start shaking out in the standings. Definitely. And it's kind of a weird week in terms of the the White Pine schedule. There's not that many quote unquote conference games. There's a there's a lot of non-conference matchups this week if you look at the schedule you know genesee is going to play kendrick potlatch is going to play deary um you've got uh Kamii hosting council which should be a pretty interesting non-conference battle logos is going to play clark fork um so there's just not much in terms of like conference games going on this week but um the one the ones that will take place that we'll keep an eye on yeah. in, in in the white pine league um the, the first one that we'll highlight is a game that we will have for you on IdahoSports.com. We're going to send our, our District 2 guys, Garrison Hardy and Jason Hansen, to Kuski as Clearwater Valley hosts Lapway in what I think is going to be a really intriguing matchup. That we, we say it a lot on this podcast, but that's going to be one that tells us a lot. Clearwater Valley has got to make some adjustments and answer back after a rough week last week at notice. Uh, and and Lapway, I mean, there we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. If you listen to this podcast, if you watch this podcast, you know um, we both believe in Lapway. As far as I mean, they're they're going to be as athletic and as gifted and as talented as as almost anybody they face. So you know, when when you get into this matchup, which team is 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 the wide open, the breakneck pace that Lapway likes to go with? Terrell Ellenwood Jones, Elias Yearout, go on down the list of good football players that they have. Is that going to rule the day? Or is Clearwater Valley, which if they have their way, I think that head coach Alan Hutchins wants to play it a little bit tighter, a little bit slower, and he wants to grind it out with, with, with Bass Myers and with Carson Schilling and with Louis Fabi and some of the other uh, just playmakers that he's got. I think that that's ultimately what um, he's going to want to uh, try and rely on there. And it's going to be interesting to see which team is able to kind of impose their will on the other because I think they're two pretty evenly matched teams on on paper, both very talented, both very good. Should be a fun game. Yeah, it's easy to look at Lapway and go, oh, they're 0-1 in league play. But let's not forget, that was in the season opener against Kamii in a one-score game. And since then, they've boat raced two opponents. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Lapway, I think, still has something to say in, in terms of the league standings. Oh, for sure. Well. They're a team that when it's all said and done, am, am I going to be shocked if they're, you know, in, in line one or line two in the White Pine standings? No, not at all. I, I think they're absolutely talented enough to do it. Um, you know, they've just got to put it together on a week-to-week basis because I don't think anybody's questioning whether or not they have the athletes to give anybody a headache. And that's without, remember, Mason Brown um, went to Clarkston, and so he's no longer there. And Sage Lone Bear, two of their best players that, that you know, from last year's team are no longer there. And yet here they are. They're still going to be 
a factor in this race, and I still very much expect him to be a playoff team. Definitely. So uh, let's let's talk about Clearwater Valley for a second. Um, they are the team we're featuring uh, two weeks in a row on IdahoSports.com. It's pretty exciting. Uh, last week they traveled to Notice for a game that uh, you were part of the broadcast for. Will Notice ends up winning that game, um, th- which didn't surprise me, but maybe the margin of victory did because they re- they really took it to to CV. They they dominated uh, they dominated the game on the on both sides of the line. Their defensive line just blew up Clearwater Valley's line on pretty much every play. And, and, and Louis Fabi, the quarterback for Clearwater Valley, I mean, there were times when the ball was just hitting his hands in the shotgun and he was looking up and there was Nico Sullivan. Uh, you know, there was, was Aaron Jimenez. There was uh, Connor Stafford, you know, insert player here. And he was running for his, his metaphorical life almost every snap. And, and the, the notice defensive line was tremendous. But then on the other side, the notice offensive line, um, the, the notice running backs were very patient, but they were able to be patient because the line did such a good job that, that the runners could just allow the play to develop and they could wait for a hole to emerge. They could wait for a seam to emerge. A couple of times it was a cutback lane, whatever it was. But their line just did a tremendous, tremendous job. You know, Joe Woodland and his staff, really had that notice team ready to go. And Alan Hutchins got to visit with him after the game. And he said, hey, we'll go back to the drawing board. We're okay. We're, we're, we've got to make a few adjustments. We've got to fix a few things. But, you know, that's why you want to play those kinds of games. You don't want to just play layups every week and beat everybody 60 to nothing because then what do you really know about your team? Uh, so he learned a lot. He and his staff learned a lot about his team last week. And it's going to be really interesting to watch Friday night and and see what adjustments they made and and how those adjustments work against a a good opponent. Yeah. And then uh, beyond the game itself, tell me a little bit about what happened post game, because, you know, Kuski to notice is a long trip and notice was a good host. And they really they really took care of the Rams after the game. Right. Yeah. I I believe the, the, the time I heard was about a four hour bus ride, four to four and a half hour bus ride. And it was the old school yellow school bus so you know it's not you you know you're not riding in luxury by any stretch of the imagination and uh notice you know the the school district and the parents and the boosters they really rolled out the red carpet and when the game ended both teams went across the street to the notice school district uh, ag building and they put on a big barbecue they had burgers they had hot dogs they had fruit they had beans they had cookies they had drinks they had you name it and they just said for for both teams, uh, eat till your heart's content. You know, a lot of the I saw a lot of the kids kind of talking to each other. You know, and I mean, you know, congratulating each other on a game well played and being very respectful. And it, it was it was really nice. Um, Lucas Kebhart and I went over there after the game and you know got to visit with some people and got to just kind of see what that was like. And um, you know, uh, Alan Hutchins from Clearwater Valley said, "Notice comes up to our place next year." And he goes, we're not, we're not going to forget this. You know, they treated us very well and, and we're going to, we're going to return the favor when they come up to our place next week. Now, the thing that was interesting is before the game, if you remember last week, going into the weekend, there were all the air quality concerns. Um, And there were concerns up until three, four, maybe even five o'clock as to whether or not this game might have to be postponed. And during the game, we found out that Timberlake, which was playing just a couple hours up at the road or was scheduled to play a couple hours up the road, uh, in McCall, they didn't even get to play. They just had to jump on their bus and turn around and go home because the air quality was so bad. 
So the fact that they were able to come down here, get the game in, you know, notice really worked to make that happen. And then they took care of them after the game and, and fed them before they got on the bus and went home. I just thought it was a, it, it was a really, really, it spoke really highly of both programs, but especially notice, you know, notice could have just patted them on the back and said, you know, we'll see you next year, but they didn't, they, they took care of them. They fed them. They let them get on the bus and get on their way. It was really cool. Yeah. And that just isn't something you see at the big, the bigger level, which is why the eight man game is so great. It's really is one community taking care of another. And so I definitely wanted to highlight that as well. This was, this was a good game for notice because now they're going to start getting into their, their conference schedule. And, you know, they're just, they are so far ahead of, of everybody else. It's not, it's not that those other schools aren't good. It's just, there's a real clear separation between notice and everybody else. So it was important for them to get this win over Clearwater Valley. I mean, if you look at the rest of the district three, Rimrock got a nice win at Hawaii. Not, not that Hawaii. That would have been something. (laughs) That would have Hawaii, Nevada. Um, They won that game 25 to 14. Um, but that was really uh, the lone highlight. Um, Greenleaf friends lost to Hanson 46, 12 Idaho city lost to garden Valley 64 to 12. And you had Wilder go to horseshoe bend and lose 54 to eight. And so now Wilder's got a lot of injuries. They've had COVID kind of run through the program to the point where they were supposed to host Butte County this week in a non-conference game. Again, we were going to, to broadcast on idahosports.com a while there had to, to pull out and they said we just don't we don't have the bodies to to take on butte county um so that game got canceled and so I, that's just the reality of where the league is right now yeah we're talking about the the kind of foggy situation up north i think the the crystal ball is a lot clearer in district three i think that uh, unfortunately the odds that this is a one bid league in the playoffs and that one bid being the district champion uh, is pretty high. And I would expect that to be noticed. I think that going into this Clearwater Valley game, I think a lot of people had questions, uh, you know, okay, what do, what do we really know about notice? What do we really know? Um, and what we know now is a, I think they played a sneaky good non-conference schedule. They played Kendrick. Okay. And yeah, it didn't go well, but <laughs> Let's line up the number of teams that it does go well for this year when they play Kendrick. It's probably going to be a very short line. Uh, then they played Council, and Council is a good Division II team. And then they they took it to Clearwater Valley, who I think at the end of the day is going to be a playoff team out of uh, out of the White Pine League. So, um, you know, short of uh, an Idaho City team with with Brody Backus and with Ian Rober, uh, kind of finding their groove a little bit, and they've gotten off to a slow start. Short of, of a team like Idaho City jumping up and biting, uh, biting notice and putting notice into that, <clears throat> excuse me, into that potential uh, at large category, depending on how everything else goes. I think it's 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 notice, and then it's everybody else. So you know, can Idaho City? And it's an any given Friday thing. You know, we know that we've seen that in the eight man game. And Jason Rober is a good coach. He's got some talent up there. It's just gotten off to a bit of a slow start here. So, uh, you know, can they get hot on the right day? And uh, can they do it? Can can maybe Wilder do it? Can Wilder get healthy? Can they get hot on the right day? Um, I think that that might be the only way um, that that uh, District 3 gets two teams into the playoffs this year is if um, one of those other teams takes care of business against the rest 
and then pulls the upset against notice. And so we'll have to wait and see. Um, we did mention Rimrock got, got a nice win at Owyhee, Nevada, 25-14. to 14. They were supposed to play Camas County this week. They pulled out of that game. Now, Camas County, fortunately, was able to find a late-game replacement in Horseshoe Bend, and I think fans will say that's going to be a better matchup for sure. Yeah. Um, I did want to share a clip. We had a Rimrock fan send us this on Facebook where – um, this was pretty cool from their game at, at uh, Hawaii. So he said, Ronaldo Gomez, he's the quarterback for Rimrock, but he's also the kicker. Okay. Um, in a tight game in the fourth quarter, he came out and, and kicked a field goal to put Rimrock up five. The line of scrimmage was the 32, which means this was a 47-yard field goal. Wow. If I'm doing the math right on that. So that's, I mean, in, in eight-man football, that that's unheard of. So I'm going to try and put the video clip up on the screen here and we can kind of check this out. But yeah, this yeah, is... Let's see. I think the longest field goal I've ever seen in eight man football, uh, Wilder had a young man kick a 30, was it a 32 yarder uh, in a playoff game three or four years ago. Uh, that, I think that's the longest field goal I've ever seen made. Um, and then uh, Lighthouse Christian had a pretty good kicker a couple of years ago too, but I don't ever remember him hitting anything from 45 plus. That's for sure. Definitely. All right, here, let's check this out. You betcha, baby. That was pretty good, right? Why he kid giving the good signal. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. That, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. We'll share that on social media. That, that's that's really cool. So congrats to, to Rimrock, certainly. Um, all right. The big matchup that uh, everyone's going to want to talk about this week coming up on the schedule is Raft River at Oakley. Raft River, Oakley had the week off last week. Raft River played Lighthouse Christian and what was a pretty tight game, 30 to 26, but they did come away with the win. Um, you you mentioned this in your three stars awards uh, column and, and uh, Twitter piece that um, uh, Treg Whitaker had an interesting night for Raft River. And while you describe that, somebody's knocking on my door. I'm going to duck out for just a second and then I will be. But but tell us a little bit about Treg Whitaker and his night for Raft River because he was kind of all over the place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chad Evans, the head coach, he said, you know, we had a lot of kids who had solid games, did a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, produced some rushing yards, produced some tackles. Uh, but Coach Evans said to me, the story is, is Treg Whitaker, the young man split the game on offense between guard and, and fullback and even played a series as the team's quarterback, you know, got under center or in the shotgun, if this case may be, uh, for a series as well and completed an 18-yard pass in there and then played the entire game on defense the middle linebacker and had about 12 tackles in the game. And what Coach Evans said is if you go back and look at that game, it was a game that Raft River won by four points. It wasn't a, it wasn't a blowout. It wasn't a game where it was, you know, a four touchdown score one way or the other. So you're just looking at a kid in some different spots. It was a, it was really a spot where uh, Coach Evans said, in the moment, uh, Treg Whitaker gave us the best chance to win games in these different spots. And it's something in an eight-man game. You've got to have that depth. You've got to have that versatility. And the fact that you can take a kid from offense and go, okay, this series, you're the best fullback we got. Okay, now we need you at guard. Okay, now we need you at quarterback. You just that's something you don't see very much, and it speaks pretty highly of the young man's athleticism and, and versatility, first and foremost, but also I think it it says quite a bit about a willingness to, to help the team, 
Um, Cause I think in the past, we've all experienced that guy who really wants to be the quarterback or the point guard or the shortstop or whatever it is. And if he gets moved to something else, he maybe he's just a little bit bummed or not working as hard or whatever, whatever the case may be. I think we've all experienced that at some point or the other, but but here's this young man, Treg Whitaker, who's just kind of moving from spot to spot and helping his team win games. And now they go play Oakley, where we've talked about Porter Pickett, um, who um, played mostly quarterback coming up in, in his age group. But then when he got to high school, there's Peyton Beck already entrenched at quarterback. So what does he do instead of languishing on the bench? He goes and helps the team in another way. And, and he contributes in other ways. And, and I, I think the teams that do that the best, that find multiple ways to use their athletes to keep their best players on the field, I think those are the teams where the, the cream eventually rises to the top. And I don't think it's any coincidence that, that Oakland and Raft River are, you know, pretty consistently in recent years, two of the best teams in the state. Definitely. And now we'll see how this matchup goes. We, we talked about the white pine league being kind of wide open and unpredictable. I mean, the, the snake river conference is going to be the same way. So right now you've got raft river, Oakley and Glens Ferry all tied for first at one and oh, Carrie hasn't played yet. They're the real wild card in this. They're zero and zero. And then Murtaugh Valley and lighthouse are all oh and one. And again, those standings, the way they are now, I don't think is the way we'll see them at the end of the year, but it's going to be a weekend week out battle. Yeah, I got three teams that I really like. I really like Raft, I really like Oakley, and I really like Carey. I think all three of them, when it's all said and done, are going to be towards the top. Now, we've talked about it before, Lighthouse Christian, you know, they, they're playing everybody except the San Francisco 49ers the first five weeks of the season here. That's a team that could be 1-4 and four or 0-5, oh and, and I don't think we'll have a true representation of how good they are. They play Grace and they've played Raft River, two very good football teams, and they're 0-2. And if you stop there, you're like, oh, man, they're down again this year. They've lost the two games by a combined total of 12 points. They've been right there with both teams. Um, and in particular, let's use the Grace analogy. Okay, Grace is, has played three games. Okay, The Grizzlies have played three games. They've given up zero, and they've given up eight in their two other games. Lighthouse Christian scored 30 on them. So I think Lighthouse Christian, when it's all said and done, I think they're going to be in the mix. And I absolutely think Murtaugh is going to be in the mix. You know, depending on how it goes in that 1A Division One, you got four automatic bids. You've got eight, um, eight at-larges. You know, you look down there and, and, okay, let's say, you know, I think Raft, Oakley, and Carey, I feel pretty confident those three are going to be in. Are you going to be surprised if Murtaugh's in? No. Are you going to be surprised if Lighthouse Christian is in? I'm not. And then you mentioned Glens Ferry. They've already got a conference win under their belt. If they pick up another one or two, can you rule them out? I don't know that you can. And so, okay, now we're really starting to get we're starting to get foggy in the whole classification as far as okay, we got eight we got eight at large teams here. Who are they going to be? I mean, I think there there's the potential for a lot of teams to legitimately have a, a stake to, to potentially one of those spots. Yeah. That's, that's what makes uh, district three all the more, um, you know, tough. It's going to be a one bid league yes. basically. So, so notice the pressure's on, they've got to be perfect in, in their league. Certainly. 
Um, let's let's move to one AD two, where I thought the game, not just the eight man game of the night, but like the game of the night period, was from the one AD two ranks. You know where I'm going with this, Will? Uh, I I think so, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Council Lewis County, what a fantastic yeah. game this was. Yeah. Thirty four seconds to play. Council is trailing. Josh Gipe scores on a one yard run. Council now in front, thirty to twenty six. And you're thinking for Lewis County, oh boy, um, they really have their work cut out for them. Well, on the ensuing kickoff, Wyatt Webb returns it all the way to the seven yard line of the Lumberjacks. So all of a sudden, now you're like, oh man, Lewis County's got a real chance here. Yep. It comes to to basically, they snap the ball. As time expires, Ty Hambly throws a pass into the end zone for Noah Watson. Watson was in the end zone, and the pass was a little short, so he had to come out of the end zone to make the catch. Makes the grab, and then it's like that Super Bowl from 1999 when the Rams played the Titans, where Webb makes the catch, and he's like tackled at the half-yard line. And so time expires. Council wins 30-26. to 26. Monty Madrell. Always a great quote, the Lewis County head coach. He, he told the Lewiston Tribune, we needed seven yards and we got six and a half. And that yeah. was how it ended. Yeah, and then that was uh, – we were we were eyeballing that matchup last week. You got one of the top teams coming out of District 3 against one of the top teams coming out of District 2. And um, I, I think that they both proved that they're worthy of, of why people think they're a pretty good team. But, you know, you, you talk about just the emotional roller coaster of the last two minutes of that game for the fans up there that were at that game to, you know, all the way down to, Oh man, we just gave up a touchdown with a half a minute to go to watching this kick return and thinking, Oh my God, he might do this. And then you have to temper that because he doesn't quite make it. And then you're seeing the receiver in the end zone when, when Hambly goes to throw the ball and you're thinking, Oh my God, we might do this. And then, like you said, he has to come back to catch the ball and then council rallies and, and makes the stop just, you know, a foot or two short of the goal line. Just what a wild, wild ending between two good football teams. Definitely. And then I guess the other 1-8-D-2 game, and, and again, uh, council, Horseshoe Bend, I think clearly the two best teams in District 3. Kendrick and, to me, Lewis County are the two best teams in District 2. And so all four of those teams should be in the playoffs um, this year. Lewis uh, Again, Lewis County, I thought, was a solid pick to make the playoffs last year, and it all came down to the last game of the year, basically for that second and final playoff spot, and they lose to uh, Timberline in a shootout. And so, it, it, I mean, Lewis County, their margin for error is slim because they play in the same league as Kendrick, but I really I really like this Eagles team a lot. Yeah, and, and Timberline, last. again, I – they'll be okay when it's all said and done. Rylan West, that young man's off to a tremendous start this year. You know, he's already over 500 yards rushing. He's already in double figures in touchdowns. So if they can continue to create some running lanes for him, I think when you when you go to play Timberline, be it, um, you know, whether you're Deary or whether you're Lewis County, you got to find Rylan West and you got to make sure that he doesn't have a lot of room to run. You got to make somebody else beat you because if Rylan West gets on track, look out. You know, look out there. That Timberline team is going to be tough to deal with. Yeah. Timberline hosts Garden Valley this week in a non-conference matchup. That should tell us a lot about those two teams, I think. Oh, yeah. And and you talk about find a guy and stop him on the other side. It's Tacoma Kelly for Garden Valley. You know, that young man's a really good player. And likewise, I think he's also just a junior. I know that West is just a junior. I think 
Tacoma Kelly's just a junior too, but you know, Garden Valley is a team that also has a lot of talent, a lot of ability, but they're kind of trying to punch up to get themselves into that playoff race. I think both them and Tri Valley are are you know they're they're saying, hey, don't forget about me here, and this is an opportunity. Um, you know, and it, it, there's not necessarily the max preps formula as far as you know getting an at-large berth into the playoffs or whatever. You're either seed one or seed two, or you're not. Um, but for for Garden Valley, a big opportunity at some confidence here to go up there and to get a win and use that to propel them forward towards a, a playoff run. Definitely. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the playoffs are pre-bracketed, predetermined in the 1AD2 ranks. A big storyline we've been talking about this year is the North Star League is finally going to get that second playoff team up there in District 1. Mullen St. Regis, uh, the favorite. They had uh, a, a nice win last week. They ended up uh, defeating. This was kind of a, a hastily scheduled game. They were supposed to play Kootenai. Uh, Kootenai had to drop out because of some injuries, so they ended up playing Deary, and they ended up playing the game in Wallace, um, I think because of officials. Um, yeah, they- yeah, there was the game was supposed to be, I believe, at 3 o'clock in Mullen. They couldn't get the officials there on time, um, so Coach Spooner at, at Mullen was able to work with his counterparts over at Wallace, which is just a few miles away, for those of you who are not familiar with that area, the Silver Valley area up there in the Panhandle. And they were able to just truck everything down the road a few miles to Wallace and and play under the lights in Wallace. So uh, another, you know, we talked a little bit about the cooperative spirit of of Clearwater Valley and notice more cooperative spirit here to get that game in and, and to get it played. Yeah, and, and Mullen St. Regis wins 48-14. to 14. They were able to use Wallace's field because Wallace had to travel up to Clark Fork, and we thought, okay, this is the second and third best team in the league, and we'll we'll see who wins this battle because it'll be important because now two teams get in. Mm-hmm. I think I think Clark Fork has staked the claim that they are the second best team as they beat Wallace 42 to 14. The Wampus Cats, this might be the year they finally, you know, are able to participate in the playoffs. Yeah, and they they did it in the second half. I mean, that was a close game most of the first half, and then Clark Fork kind of pulls away in the second half. And like you said, they've been that team that's kind of been the um Metaphorically speaking, they've been the the perennial bridesmaid. They've always been that that next team that's just waiting for their invitation, and the invitation hasn't come. And it looks like this year there's a good chance that invitation could come. And it'll be uh, it'll be great to see Brian Arthur and his his team get into the playoffs and and have it. You know, if if they're able to take care of business, get in the playoffs and and see them compete. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Now they do play Wallace again in the regular season finale. Uh, Friday, October 14th. So mm-hmm. we will wait and see how the rematch goes between Wallace. Yeah, they're not out of the woods yet, that's for right. sure. But they've they've kind of moved themselves into the position where they control their own destiny here. And if they take care of business, if they do what they uh, are capable of doing, then, then they will most likely be that second seed coming out of the North Star. Definitely. All right, the other, the other intriguing game, you know, if Council and... Lewis County was the best game. I thought the second best game in the eight-man ranks was Castleford and Grace. Castleford scores very early in that contest, mm-hmm. and then it holds the rest of the way in an eight-to-nothing win. Pretty you impressive. Know, it's, it's kind of wild with Grace. We talked about it a minute ago. They've played a seven-nothing game and an eight-nothing game in the course of three weeks, winning one and losing one. You just don't see many games like this. Uh, in the eight-man ranks, because as we've talked about again, uh, 
it's the same size field, just with three fewer players. So the 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 game planning and the execution and the tackling that your defense has to do for a full game to to hold a team that low in scoring, that's impressive. And, and Castle Ford coming out of that division that they're in, out of District 4, you've got Camas County that looks good. You've got Castle Ford. You've got Dietrich. Those are three Those are three teams that are having a bit of a look of heavyweights this year in the Division Two classification. And Castle Ford going up against a pretty good Division One team in Grace and shutting them out, not shutting them down, shutting them out, speaks pretty highly for the Wolves. They, they're a team that you're going to have to keep your eye on. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big three, right? Camas County had the week off. They'll play Horseshoe Bend this this week in a, in a rescheduled game. Uh, we talked about how um, they were supposed to play Rimrock. Rimrock bowed out. They were able to pick up Horseshoe Bend. The Mustangs did this last year too. I don't remember what the scenario was, but they went all the way to Water Springs and played yes. a game. Horseshoe Bend filled in, and so they're they're becoming a good fill-in opponent because they're good, obviously. So Camas County's going to have a tough game. Castle Ford's obviously really talented, um, and they will. They will take on a Rockland team now that's kind of lick, licking their wounds a little bit because Rockland went up against Dietrich last week. And, and again, the fact that Dietrich won didn't surprise me, but the margin did, 68-26. to 26. And now Dietrich's 3-0. and We know they're good. Cody Power was your top player of the week for, for the Three Stars Award. Um, Rock, Rockland's 1-2, and two, and they they have they – we thought coming in that Rockland was going to be a strong team. They – they have some problems they need to figure out how to fix if they want to move forward. Yeah, that that conference is is very much up in the air. The District 5-6, um, you know, North Gem, they were replacing a lot of firepower from last year. I expect them to get better as the year goes on. Um, you know, they've got to win. You know, can they, can they pick up a couple more? Because it's going to come down to those last two weeks. It's three teams. There's Rockland, there's Water Springs, and there's North Gem. So can North Gem progress? Water Springs, they've got one of the most dynamic players in all of eight-man football in Drew Plocker. That young man is having another ho-hum, you know, amazing season by the numbers. And then and Rockland, I mean, I, I still feel like they're probably the best all-around team, but, you know, their margin for error is slim. You know, they can't, they can't play Water Springs and slip up or else they might be sitting at home when, when the playoffs come because – you know, you don't want to put it all on on one potential game. You don't want to put it all on one potential snap. You want to take care of your business. And when you're in a three-team league, your margin for error is not very big. So whoever that team may be, I'm not going to be that shocked to see any of the three teams come out of there as the one seed, to be honest with you. I think any of them can. Like I say, I think Jerry Hunter's Rockland team is probably the, the, the deepest, um, probably the what a lot of teams would consider the most physically talented, but you got to translate and you got to get it done on the field. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. There are two bids out of that league to the playoffs this year and three really good, really equal teams. It'll, it'll all be determined in October, basically um, October 7th, you've got uh, North gem at water Springs. Then on October 14th, you have Rockland at water Springs and then the season finale on the 21st, it's North Gem at Rockland. The final three weeks of the regular season will determine that. Um, North Gem gets shut out by Hagerman, 46 to nothing. This, to me, was the most, like, 
not on my radar result of the week. Nice win for Hagerman. Really nice win. Really nice win for Hagerman. And, and they've got a new coach this year, but their coach last year, Dana Strong, was telling me, he's like, look, I don't think we're that far away. We're just kind of young and inexperienced. We just need to play some football and we need to get some kids some experience. And they've come out and they've won a couple of games now. They put it on Greenleaf Friends Academy a couple of weeks ago. I want to say it was something like 60 to 8. Um, so they've they've put it on a couple of teams now, and, and they've got a chance potentially to uh, to to be a factor here. Now, are they are they good enough to get up there? It's it's going to be interesting to see how they fare when they go up against a Camas County, a Dietrich, uh, or or a, a Castle Fort. It's going to be interesting to see how those matchups play out. But if you know they they've definitely shown okay, Dana Strong last when he was saying last year, last September, he was telling me hey. We're, we're not that far away. And even though he's no longer the head coach there, you know what? He was right. All in all, another solid week of eight-man football. We've got some appetizing matchups on tap, including two on IdahoSports.com Friday night, uh, Lapway at Clearwater Valley. And then we will also have that Oakley-Raft River showdown. And that'll be a fantastic uh, Magic Valley game night broadcast as well. So, Will, you've got, you've, you're you going to have to have dual screens on Friday night to tune in. Which I can do. I, I borrow my daughter's Chromebook. She kind of complains about it, but I, I tend to hijack those when you've got multiple broadcasts going on. Definitely. And again, if you want to see all the games that we're broadcasting on IdahoSports.com, just click on the Game Streams tab on the homepage. All right, that's it for this week's edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast. We'll be back again next week to break it all down. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody, and we'll see you back here next week on IdahoSports.com.